0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe.
1: You can feel the passion, the emotion. Hey Borussia Dortmund fans, welcome to Believe in Borussia episode number 39. And we will get right into it because we have a jam-packed episode, 90 minutes of season preview still with my guy Brian Straub who you may know from BVB Buzz and also a couple other outlets he's writing for I think for the BVB international app Anyway, just a man I need to discuss some of the key elements and why you may be wondering why was there such a gap between the first and the second part? Well, thank COVID for that and knocking me completely out. But luckily, the topics and the accounts that we're talking about are still just as valid as they were when we recorded it. First and foremost, the coaching change. Can Aiden lead us back to the promised land? And what happened to Rosa? Who killed Rosa? How did it all go down? Our guess now is as good as anyone's back then, because no one knows. And then, of course, we will talk about the transfers that already happened. Granted, Haller now emerged as the striker of choice, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We'll talk about everything in just a moment. But before we get there, of course, one shout-out to our sponsors, uh, Bad Online, because they still have all the latest... Odds, news, developments in the world of sports, Wimbledon finals, Major League Baseball, fighting news, uh, preseason NFL, MLS, what have you. So just head on over to the website or you can use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use your promo code BELIEVE to get the bonus and get into the action and join so that's B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That online where the game starts. So welcome back to Believe in Borussia Part 2 season review. And actually it's more a preview now because I still have Brian with me. And we're going to discuss, I think probably the most hotly debated topic, despite some of the marquee signings that we had, and that is the coaching change at Borussia Dortmund. Brian, what was your first initial reaction when you heard the news?
0: Oh boy. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Well, uh, I think I remember texting you and saying that that I thought it was like a spoof account that was posting. I really couldn't really believe what I was seeing.
1: There are a lot of those.
0: There are, yeah. And honestly, I've I've been caught, you know, reading into them before, you know, being like, and then realizing later, like, oh my God, you know, it's not real. So I was like, I would woken up, it was like seven in the morning. And I'm like, what? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, they just sacked it, you know, because the thing for me, like, I'll, I'll put this out there right away. When Marco Rosa was initially announced as Thornton coach last season, or at the end of uh, the previous season, um, you know, I was very excited. So, I was very happy to see Marco Rosa, you know, take over the club and I've definitely been, you know, a supporter of his throughout his time with the club, despite the fact that results haven't been as great as, you know, one might've expected. And that's for, you know, a couple of the, the the factors that we've talked about previously, right? You know, um, not having the proper personnel, um, injuries and all of that. And throughout that whole time, if you really look at um, his tenure at Dortmund, you know, all of the hierarchy was basically behind him. They were saying, you know, his job isn't up for discussion. He's he's definitely going to be the manager next season. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, you you have him gone. And it's it's a very complicated thing there because on one hand, you have Marco Rosa leaving, and then you have Adin Terzic coming in, who is a very likable figure, you know, someone I obviously enjoyed, um, seeing um, at the helm with Dortmund when when he came in after Lucien Favre was sacked. So it, it, it's a kind of, a, like, a, after, after that initial shock, I guess, like, once it settled, it was kind of just like, okay, so, like, what is the plan now and, and how is this really going to fit? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just shock, honestly.
1: It did come very unexpected. And, I mean, you can tell that, um, you know, by the reaction, players quite frankly um i just uh heard the, the julian brand podcast um on on kicker the zone um, um where he basically said he was just having breakfast and thought the same thing that somebody you know was the, showing him like a spoof message uh, until you know they said no no go to the home page and he saw it uh, and i mean uh quite a good timing with julian brand because you could argue he's probably one of the winners under rosa um who saw significantly more playing time and you know also improved play. Um, in my opinion, still not, you know, to the level that he can and need to show, but um still a lot better than you know, arguably his best season in the Dortmund shirt. So um yeah, I think it's uh it's kinda odd. I I was uh optimistic and hopeful with Rosa coming in last summer for sure. Um but to be fair, it wasn't I don't think it was love at first sight if i recall correctly it was more like you know seeing what was available you know and in, in the market and what made sense that seemed to be the best fit um you know in terms of like how he plays how he presents himself um you know sort of like his his persona is fit with the club so you know i think he checked a lot of boxes there but i would never go as far and say like oh my god you know marco was a um you know that was my dream coach, you know, couldn't have uh, made it up better. So still, I was super surprised and I wonder what happened there. Do you have any theory, um, who, you know, said what, what push came to shove?
0: I mean, my own theories, I really don't have any of my own per se, but I mean, what's being said is, is, is basically it was, it was a two sided affair you had Marco Rosa on one side who asked for a vote of confidence and, um, and he didn't really get it. And that, I guess, final meeting that would, that allegedly happened between him, Vatske, uh, and, uh, Uh, whether, uh, himself was there, I'm not entirely sure, but during that last meeting, from what I understand, you know, he'd asked for a vote of confidence. He didn't get it. And on the other side, you have, uh, this situation with, uh, you know, the club and Edin Terzic where they basically put him in, in the role that they put him in kind of on the back burner to keep him at the club in the event that, you know, um, a position, a coaching position would open. And I feel like after that pokal win last year, once, once he had done that, once he had shown that he was able to lead this team to something, uh, you know, the, the whole signing of Marco Rose kind of seemed, uh, you know, like something that they didn't necessarily need. So. In the, I guess, in, in in these like last final weeks, you know, their, you know, results hadn't been great and all of that, and I feel like that had just, you know, kind of swayed them to lean, lean more towards Terzic in in that case too, you know. Um, I I also understand that apparently Terzic had a couple offers from from clubs around Europe or whatever, so maybe it was kind of like an now or never thing for them, you know, where it's like, you know what, we we have Marco Rose here, but do we really want to risk losing Terzic and it's it's really complicated right because when terzic was at the helm at dortmund like i said you know i would have been happy for him to stay at that point you know happy for him to continue um granted you know it's it's not 100% sure that those results would have continued the performances would have stayed at that level that we saw for example again like in in the pokal reaching the final or in the champions league against Manchester city you know and there's no guarantee that that's going to be the case but the hierarchy clearly sees something in him and i guess because marco rose asked for his vote of confidence and these results hadn't been great they saw an opening and mutual agreement you know the best uh, best for separation there and then terzic is, is put in
1: i mean that's really the question here is it because they were so convinced of terzic or because they weren't convinced of rosa anymore i think there's a difference because uh you know in the former situation it's basically marco rose is basically a lame duck since the cup, which is kind of funny because Edin Terzic was a lame duck, you know, since the Rosa announcement last summer, which was uh, last summer, last season, which came in March, I think. So he knew, you know, he was on his way out and um, if Terzic had such a strong backing, you know, internally um, that Rosa felt that. And I mean, it's not completely unfathomable. I mean, I met Terzic in January. And he was very mum about anything relating to Marco Rose, you know, like, um, as in like, hey, how do you think the team plays? And, you know, how do you think, what kind of job he does? And just don't want to say anything on it, being fully aware, you know, that whatever he says could be used against the coach. And he's kind of like, even in his new position, sort of like hanging over him like a Damocles sword. So um, <laughs> interesting. but. Um, honest, let's let's back this up again and and unravel this together. I I don't think Terzich was at that meeting because I think I don't think that's his pay grade on on paper really. I mean I'm pretty sure it was you know Akivatska, Kale obviously, then probably Zork still you know he's still acting sporting director, and then maybe sure. Zama because you know usually mm-hmm. that's the 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 three people that usually meet is Zork, Vatska, and Zammer. Uh, and now probably Kale because, you know, he's taken over the reins. So, and then Rosa, clearly. So they come together, right? Very normal, kind of like exit type of like interview, you know, before the season ends, uh, after the season. What went well, what didn't go well, kind of like stop, start, continue type of thing. And um, where did it go off? I, I think, you know, since it hit everybody so much out of the, you know, It just came so out of left field. I don't think there was any tensions going into that meeting, you know, because I feel like otherwise we would have like read somewhere. Oh, you know, things are, uh, you know, a Ryan Dortmund, Rose's chair is kind of like shaky, but I don't recall anyone making any indication to that sort whatsoever. So I think, you know, at this point it's still all good. So they sit down, you know, they talk about the season um I mean, are you with me up to this point? Do you make do, Am I making sense, or would you say nah, 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 nah. no, 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 no? No, hundred percent. I mean, okay, okay. So then the question to me is like, who's day? You know, you you said they. You know, thought it wasn't you know a good idea anymore. Who is the one that's pushing for a change? Is it Marco Rosa reacting to something that set you know? Uh, on from from the other side from from camp dortmund so to speak from camp um board um where he feels rightfully or maybe even wrongfully maybe there was it wasn't even there because honestly like in some of these press conferences marco Rosa did sometimes felt a little like short-tempered you know like he was eloquent enough to sort of like quip with it you know and make a joke about it but you could tell he was like annoyed talking about when when people asked i think you know legit questions about why the team kept on falling short performance anyway. So either was him being like, you know, fuck this. If you guys aren't having my back, then I don't want to do this anymore. Or is it the other way around where Rosa is like, I'm so excited, let's get it. 2023 is gonna be amazing, yay, yay, yay. And you know, one of the other three is basically saying, Marco, we have to talk. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to say. Um, one of the things I did see pop up um, from that, that came out of all this uh, as, as kind of the reasoning for why Rose and Dortmund separated was going back to something that I've been harping on this entire time, the injuries, right? And, and there was speculation prior to that, you know, Marco Rose's training methods led to a lot of these injuries occurring, right? So there was something out there that indicated that, you know, Vatske and co kind of blamed Rose for that, for the fact that these injuries had been occurring, be it his training methods or or whatever it is that might've been causing it. So that was one theory that was circulating out there and that, that, that that was one of the reasons for the separation um, that they felt that his methods were kind of putting Dortmund in this ditch uh, that put them in a situation where they couldn't put together a coherent team. Um, but it really is hard to say. I feel, uh, I'm of the opinion that it was a two sided thing. I think both sides definitely had some sort of problem there, be it because of the injuries or because of the results. You know, Camp Dortmund, as we're calling, you know, Vatska and co. Um, definitely, you know, saw this team underperform and Rosa is in charge of making them perform, right? But wouldn't you agree that they, that,
1: they did underperform?
0: They did uh, 100%. No, no, that's, that's what I'm saying, right? Yeah.
1: Like, um, so, sorry to interrupt, but like, you know, in terms sure. of injuries, you know, we talked about the Herta game earlier. I mean, in that game, the one that we lost in Berlin, which basically scrambled away the last shred of hope for title challenge, you know, in the season. Well, I mean, until the Augsburg game, but, but, but you know, in, in the old year, in the first half of the season. Sure. We fielded in the front Marco Reus, Haaland, Brandt, Hazard, um, I think Bits of the Plate. So basically, we, we feel it like, Can, we feel it like multiple national players, Holland was, you know, striking and the team was absolute abysmal, abysmal against the third worst team in the league. And they were at that point, maybe even worse. What's that about? You know, is that also like, like you had more than enough firepower to, 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 you know, on paper, like if this would have been FIFA, we would have probably, um, you know, destroyed them double digits. Um, and yet we lose on the pitch. So I feel like honestly, like that's, for example, something I can see where they disagree. Where Rose is like, "Oh yeah, the injuries and blah blah blah," and you know, somebody basically making a point that I'm making. Like, yes, there were injuries, but still, even though we had a lot of injuries, we still had a lot of talent in the squad. How are we losing points against these type of opponents? And Rose are not having a good answer, you know, or a convincing answer. Well, uh, just to,
0: just interject there because I I know we're talking about here. What was uh, that? You know, having. That, that was a text
1: oh. um, uh, that
0: we don't need to worry about
1: that. I thought you had a bright idea. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's, let, let's call it that. Um, no, I mean, I lost my point. Give
1: me a sec. I guess the bright idea kind of like popped away with the Bing. Yeah.
0: But, just give me. A, all mm-hmm. I'm
1: saying was like, I feel like, you know, there, there are things that you can see either, or, you know, you could say like, you know, it was tough for Rosado to be consistent, to, to field his best squad. And yes, some of the defensive lineups that we had to field were very bad. But on the other hand, you could still argue we had a lot of talent still in the squad and teams with less um, talent on paper were performing much better than Borussia Dortmund was.
0: Right. And OK, so so this is, this is the point, I guess, I was trying to get at. Um, I, I think the... The idea that we had a lot of talent on paper, like, yes, starting players, of course, we have multiple nationals, multiple players that, um, that, that you know, should be making an impact and for the most part, you know, have made an impact to a degree. Um, but I feel like the, the depth that we do have in the team actually isn't reflective of, of a team that should be challenging for, for titles. Um, I mean, I, even just looking at the lone players that we had in Renier, we've mentioned him, right? His loan spell at Dortmund was completely flat. He, he did absolutely nothing for this team. I, he scored a handful of goals, if that. Uh, Marin Pongracic, he came in. Um, that was all, almost felt, at this point, like a panic buy. At first, it, it, thought, it seemed to make sense. A player that Marco Rose was familiar with, maybe a player that, that we could work with. Clearly not. Um, you had, and, and no offense to Felix Paslak, he is not the type of player that should be coming in, uh, when you have injuries to the likes of, uh, Mateo More and, and Tomal Munie. Um, so, I mean, yes, we had depth, but this depth wasn't necessarily the type of depth that you would expect to, in an injury crisis, bring a team up and actually have them perform. So, yeah, I don't know if I agree with the fact that we actually had you know, that, that sort of depth to do that.
1: Fair point, Marco, but I just pulled up the starting (laughs) 11, you know, against the Herder team. And again, looking at the front line, Donnie Marlin behind him, Dahoud, in the center, Marco Royce up top, Haaland, right wing, Brandt, and then Emre Chan. I mean, that is as good as we can play. And that's the high end of, you know, soccer in terms of talent. And yet... You know, diddly squad came out of it. I mean, the guy that scored at the end, um, I mean, Brunt scored one, but but Stefan Tigges, I remember, I think Tigges and Mukuku came on both, and and they did more, or you know, were more threatening than just than like all star lineup of the six players that I just named. And while you know, yes, uh, uh Renier uh, Paslak and and Wolf won't you know get you over the hump for a full season against the top teams. They should be able to, you know, keep the boat afloat versus Hertha versus uh, Bochum. And, you know, Wolf to a to a degree, yeah, I think versus Bochum, he played very good. You know, the, the second game, yeah, kind of like two hockey assists or even two assists, if I recall. But then when we played against Bayern, you know, he was completely out of his depth. And um, I, I think that's the, the point you're trying to make. But, you know, again, against Bayern, I can understand, you know, that against Pauli, against Hertha, against Bochum, I cannot. So. Um, That's where it doesn't line up. So I guess um, going back to like how this conversation might have been, I just have a feeling that that it goes that Rose is becoming a little defensive there, right? I'm just not sure who starts poking the bear. Is it Kale or is it Vatzke? And here's why I'm, you know, differentiating that. Because if it's Kale, I'm actually okay with it. If it's Watzke, I have a problem. Why? Because if it's Watzke, then that means that Kehl is fine with having Rose as a coach and, you know, believes in going into the new season with him and now doesn't, you know. So he has been planning to do things, you know, with Rose, um, you know, um, signing players, thinking about the, the squad, the strategy, everything that, that goes with it, right? Um, and he's supposed to take over the realm and he is supposed to fill in some big shoes. And then the CEO comes and is like, I'm not really feeling it. And he basically already undermines his authority. Whereas the other way around, if it's Kale, he actually grows, gains authority. And, you know, the good thing is, even if Vatska maybe disagrees, he apparently backed, you know, backed his conclusion because, you know, we have a new coach now in Rose's history. So if Cale is there and is like, you know what? I'm not convinced of what you're telling me. here. I'm not convinced of the results that you um, produced over the season. And then Rose is like, you know what? If that's the case, then maybe we should stop working together. Um, with Kale getting his way, it you know, it, it affirms his position. And to be fair, we should back, in case of doubt, the sporting director who's supposed to say to the club, years and years and years over the coach who's also in theory supposed to stay years and years but as we know that doesn't usually happen right so that's why i'm hoping it's set with kale not with Vatska. i don't know you have any opinion on that
0: um with regards to that i feel like if there's going to be a dissenting party i'm actually leaning more towards Vatska, particularly because of what you said about squad planning i mean you look at um, interviews with slaughter with uh, Adeyemi, with, uh, uh, with Sula and all these players coming in, you know, Rosa was an integral part of, um, the negotiations and and selling the project. Right. Um, I I don't remember which one it was. I think it was Adeyemi who said, you know, that he felt like he would have gotten along well with Rosa had he stayed, you know, had he been the, the, the coach going forward. So I feel like it wasn't necessarily Kale pushing okay. to, to have him, you know, pushed out because at the end of the day, they're building the project together. Granted, you know, we, you know, we weren't a fly on the wall in that meeting and we can't know for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, that seems like the more plausible um, answer in in my opinion. Um, but Go, okay. mm-hmm. go ahead.
1: I mean, there's a, there's a third you know possibility, of course, which is none from the board side was actually pushing for it, but you know Rosa just basically throwing in a towel, you know, making making out dissonance where where there's really none, you know, and you know people being like, no, we we still want you, and Rosa, nah, no, I'm not feeling it. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. I mean, not super likely in my opinion, but also not impossible. But to be fair, you know, when it comes to the players, I mean, yeah, Adiemi said it, Schlotterbeck, you know, said something similar in a sense of like, hey, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with Rosa, but I'm not coming for Rosa. I'm coming because I'm convinced of, you know, what Borussia Dortmund is building there and about the long-term project. And to be fair, like, honestly, I mean, Rosa might have been a part, but in your opinion, is he really a difference maker? Is he really the coach where players were like, man, I wanted to come play for Rosa, and now he's gone, what am I going to do? Well, you have an
0: interesting situation here with with Terzic,
1: right? I mean, both. We'll talk about him in a second, but do you think Rosa is really dead? I mean, he's a nice guy, and he can right. obviously, you know, talk. But do you think really one of the players is now thinking like, "Oh my God, I wanted to learn from Rosa, um, and now he's gone"? did I make a mistake
0: well no but what what I'm getting at with 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 bringing Terzic into the conversation is you have both both coaches right that had the dressing rooms that that really had the players behind them because if you really look back throughout the season you didn't really have much players coming out and saying a bad word about either of them so you have a situation where um players back to the coach um everything was fine maybe he wasn't the pep Guardiola that you know players were were striving to play under per se but he had a good relationship with the players and i feel like that is an important part of selling a project if you come into um or if you're negotiating with any club right and you have someone like marco rosa who comes up uh in these negotiations you have to feel comfortable and and believe in the coach to come to the club i feel like i think that's an integral part of you know moving forward with negotiations
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say that to me might actually be a negative, a con for Rosa. He's getting on too good with the players. He's being too nice. If Julian Brunt is like, oh my God, why is he leaving? I don't know if that's a good sign. If Mats Hummels is like, man, this is my guy. I don't know if that's a good sign. I remember Julian Nagelsmann a bunch of times during the season saying things like, you know what? It's all right if there's friction in the team or I need some new players, not just because I need new players, but because I need to, you know, conjure up some some, yeah, some, friction in the team, you know, some because it creates energy. I think this team lacked energy. I think they were all too comfortable because of the injuries players were too sure of their positions. They basically walked right into the starting 11 when they came back from injury without having like to be, you know, to, to work hard for it. And yeah, was it being too much of a buddy? Well,
0: I mean, to your point with regards to the players walking back into the starting eleven, I think they walked into the starting eleven because there were no real options to for them to compete against. This goes back to the whole idea of the depth that we had in the team, right? You really didn't have any depth, in my opinion, or a quality depth that would mean, like, for example, look, just looking at Erling Holland, right? Who did we have up front that we could put up in his absence? In my opinion, there was no one in in this squad that could really replace those goals. Granted, I will say, though, that throughout that, I think, stretch between January and March when he was out, we scored more goals without him uh, in the squad than when he was in the squad for for the first four or five games that he he came back. Um, That aside, what I'm trying to get at is just off of pure quality, I, I don't think that there was enough competition there. And I don't think that necessarily reflects badly of the coach that reflects poorly of the
1: squad quality. That's fair. But shouldn't the coach then able to sort of at least, um, I don't know, counteract or steer against it or, or come up with something to still keep, um, you know, the energy high, keep the focus high and not mellow it out.
0: I mean, but it's hard to say
1: it's speculation whether he did, but I mean, yeah, I can only judge by what happened now and what I saw on the pitch and on the Mm -hmm. pitch, I saw. More often than not, a listless team, a team that wasn't ready to play. I mean, one of my biggest issues with Rose, and maybe let's yeah go back into more of the macro kind of view, is it warranted for him to be gone after this season? Um, we did a little quick poll you know, on our Twitter account, and 60% of the people actually said they wanted to give him another year. 35 said he was a nice guy, but he just lacked the results, and only 5% said good riddance. Um, I'd probably come in nice guy, but lacked results. Um, obviously, if, if it would have been better, then I wouldn't have complained. I don't have any personal beef with Marco Rosa, you know. But one thing that really drove me up a tree this season is every time we had a break and a big game coming up after, um, where you, you know, where I think you really can tell the handwriting of the coach because that's the time where we can get the squad together, practice something, you know, motivate them, have one on ones with the players. That's usually when they should be at their best coming out. We looked our worst our absolute worst, whether it's the Rangers home game, whether it's the um, the opening game against Frankfurt after the winter break, every time there was a break or a big game coming up, we looked completely deflated and unprepared, and oh, that's something that's very hard for me to look past, and that's something where in me, the doubt grew and rose, no pun intended, that Rosa wasn't the one. <laughs>
0: Right. I mean, listen, at the end of the day... Uh,
1: so I say warranted. I don't know. How about you?
0: At the end of the day, I definitely feel I wanted him to have one more year uh, to, to see what he can do with the squad, because it's clear in his time in Gladbach he was able to put together a coherent squad that played well. Um, so but I, he also I completely feel-
1: flamed out at the end.
0: Right. Well, I mean... I just feel like with everything that had happened this season it was warranted that he would get another year but I'm not the, the type of person to be like no, it's Rosa or nobody you know yeah. um I think Terzic is a very likable guy I think he's done a lot for the club previously in his in his previous stint um but it was it was a it was a very small sample of what to to expect we don't know whether or not you know that would have continued I think we mentioned that a little bit earlier in this and I'll definitely 100% get behind Terzić, and I'm, and I'm happy that you know we have someone now at the he- at the head of the club that can actually identify is a fan. You know, has that strong connection. These are all things that that work in Terzić's
1: favor. I mean, no doubt, right? I don't I don't think there's any. You you won't find any BVB fan, and probably not even a neutral guy that's right. going to root against Terzić. Absolutely, a so homegrown young coach that that actually identifies with the club. Like, who's going to hate on that?
0: It, it's it, it's a dream it's a dream for for someone like him to come in and actually identify like i think that's what the club has been looking for i mean the, there's jokes like uh going around the internet that you know Dorman keep looking for the next jürgen klopp i mean i'm not going to say that they found the next jürgen klopp in Edin tzrige but at least from that emotional connection standpoint you know that that's there you know you have someone who genuinely cares for the club identifies with the club i mean um did marco rosa do that i don't know
1: honestly i think marco rosa's probably um you know, verbally much stronger than Aiden Terzic, and, you know, and Terzic is still young, so he might, you know, still learn, Um, but I think, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, yeah, most unique or strongest parts of Klopp is his, you know, his verbal abilities, like his, uh, you know, ability to, to show empathy, verbalize it, you know, refer to players from different backgrounds, you know, um, refer to situations to fans, you know, he just has a, has a way with words and people, Um I think Rosa was probably the closest, you know, to that in terms of like our last coaches when you look at, uh, uh, you know, Favre, uh, Stöger, even Tuchel, you know, like he was probably the most kind of like nice, casual guy, you know, that that sort of the same sort of quip. I don't think Thurzic is that. So, no, we're not going to get a club in that sense, but I would agree I'd like to have a new club in the sense of, you know, a coach that sticks around for a couple of years at least and builds something, you know um and and then kind of like um yeah implements a togetherness again um that that, that is strong and that, that yields um into some hopefully silverware but i mean it didn't really answer my question though do you think it's warranted like i think yes i mean i would have not jumped off a bridge if rosa would have been the coach for next year or you know resigned my membership but like i think a year is quite a long sample size especially in this day and age you know it's like 50 games or so and a lot of them weren't convincing i don't think it's like an ad hoc reaction you know like it's the end of the season you analyze it in you know not four eyes but i don't know eight pairs or whoever how many eyes were there anyway so do you think it's too early or or not or do you just disagree with the move overall
0: well so like i said i would have given him um definitely another year. And I I don't think it was necessarily warranted. Once again, I guess it depends on the parameters around which the separation occurred. Right. But if it was just simply Dortmund saying, all right, bye, Rosa, we're done with you. We don't, we don't, we're not confident in, in what you're, what you're able to produce here. I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, but that once again goes, goes back to what I had said previously, you know, I think there had been factors this season that were out of Rosa's control. Um, you know, players cut we mentioned that earlier players coming right back into the starting 11 there was no coherence in the squad you couldn't get a coherent coherent squad or coherent 11 to play together for more than four or five games at a time so i really didn't didn't think there was any identity there that's some people will say that's because of rosa i think it's because he just didn't have the players available to actually play them together enough for that identity to form um but once again i I'll, i'll say this that you know it, it is what it is, uh, you know, no one's going to necessarily um, cry about it, you know, that, that Terzic is in. Once again, we've said, you know, he's 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 definitely someone that every Dortmund fan will look at and be like, you know what, we want you to succeed, we want you to do well, you've already brought us a trophy. There, there's something that I saw online, a, a couple people were saying, and it's like, just because you're upset or necessarily not, not agreeing with Rose's departure doesn't mean you have to be against Terzic coming in.
1: And again, I don't think anyone is against Terzic per se, but I did, especially uh, in the English speaking world, not so much in Germany. I feel like people in Germany were much quicker to dismiss Rosa, uh, fans in Germany and than, than here. Yeah, like, I don't think anybody has an issue with that. But it's like, I mean, there's a certain, I don't know, hypocrisy, really, you know, like, because... Um, and you, you see with players a lot of times too. You know, um, I see a lot of like law, for example, Danex Zagadu. Um, um, a particular, for example, also with with you know American fans, uh, Julian Brand is very popular, for example, um, in Germany too. You know, and despite not really living up to his potential, like if we're really honest, you know, but he has he has sort of like a, a loyal following. And I feel like Rose has a little bit the same, you know, like people are just upset on a personal level that, that he's gone. But I mean, I feel like people are also complaining that we're not showing the results and not winning and all that stuff. So you cannot can't have it both ways. You know, I haven't really heard a compelling argument why this was a mistake, you know. I just heard like, why, how could they? What's got? That's not an argument, you know, like what, what is your, your basis? I mean, the best thing that I've heard or the most thing I've heard is like there was lots of injuries. But again, to me, I only account for that partially because there were still games where we either had a decent squad or we still had sufficient you know talent on the pitch and just didn't perform well enough.
0: Well, I think that's that's once again the crux of it, right? I mean, you're saying that you know we did have sufficient talent on there. And my opinion
1: is the depth that you not know- across the whole season. Sure, but in certain games in certain i i guess maybe like against Bayern. Games. look that game you know like again if you if you're starting with like wolf and and, and zagadu and whatnot like yeah okay you i mean we're toast <laughs> i mean you know i'm not expecting anything there but against Hertha, bochum sure mines sure. yeah yeah totally third even i mean that game we won but that wasn't yeah that wasn't great football either in either of the games um so that's, that's what I'm talking about. Or like, like St. Pauli, like seriously St. Pauli, we should be able to compete with St. Pauli with our second spring guys, period.
0: I think looking back at this whole Rose's saga, I think the the main thing that bothers me isn't necessarily, you know, Terzic coming in because I think we've, we've, we've beat, beat that like into the ground, you know, we're, we're, we're happy for Terzic and, you know, we want him to succeed. Um, but just throughout this whole entirety of of of, of rose's tenure you have all this talk of you know we're behind him we want him to to do well you know where this this, his job isn't you know under scrutiny or anything like that and once again we don't know what happened during that conversation but at least that face value um this whole image that 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 it shows is you know you don't do well in dortmund for a year or whatever or you're faced with some sort of adversity that may or may not be in your hands, depending on who you ask, you're out, you know, and I feel that sets a bad precedent for anyone coming in. So if we look at, you know, Terzic, right, coming in now, do we judge him by the same standard? Do we, like, if we granted, we, I hope this doesn't happen, but like, well, let's say results in the first six months aren't great. Do we judge him by the same standard that we judge Rose? Um, do we look at him and and then say, okay, like or in the first year for example you know he doesn't win a trophy do we judge him by the same standard and then say okay we need to find someone else do we jump for the next person i i don't know for for me it's just it's just a very sticky situation and 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 the whole appointment of Rosa wasn't clean and um i don't know it, it it's it's just it's just a bad look in my i opinion.
1: feel like i agree it's a bad look but at the end of the day you know like if you assess it properly and you come to the conclusion that Rosa isn't it and Terzic is the better fit, you cannot go into the new season just because out of you know, personal favors or because you like the guy. Um, you have to put Klopp above the person. Sure, I agree. And I, think, and and, I hope and that's anyway, what happens. It is. Mm-hmm. And, and to be fair, yes, I do agree. I do think they should judge him by the same stick. The thing is, under Terzic, we didn't win anything in Europa. And under Rosa we didn't either. But it's, you know, somewhat in the gray areas. Under Terzic, we put up a fight against City and had them on the brink of going out. On Rosa, we absolutely crapped the bat first in the Champions League and then again in Europa League. So, you know, there's a how to it as well. And that just didn't line up for me. So looking into my magic eight ball again and, you know, coming up with my last speculation and you, because you brought up that point earlier, maybe Terzic was at risk of being... You know, picked up by somebody else, so they come into this. Hey, Marco, how do you feel integrating eddie into the coaching staff? And you know what? I think it's kind of unlikely because I, I don't think Edin would have done it because he's just a too nice guy. And like I said, from my interaction with him in in January, I would have been very very surprised if he would agree to that because he, he you know he's smart enough to know what that would have meant. Like him sitting behind Rose on the bench would have just cause such a a media frenzy, you know, every time things wouldn't have gone completely well. But anyway, something along that line happens. And then Rose is like, "Uh uh-uh, what is happening here? But that we're basically doing it to keep Terzich around. Is that warranted? Does Eden deserve the top job?
0: I mean, that's a hard uh that's a hard ask right there. I mean, deserve, I mean it depends on who you ask, once again, right? You look at...
1: Well, I'm asking you. Okay,
0: all right, fine, 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 fine. Um, oh, if you're going to get rid of Rose, yes. I don't see a better a better alternative to bring in. Um, for the reasons we've already mentioned, has, already has experience, you know, being at the helm of this club, has led this club to silverware. Um, we still don't know how a long-term Edin Terzic, you know, tenure will look like. But I mean, there's no other. I can't think of another option, even at this point,
1: with with, with Rosa being
0: being bent as he was,
1: you know. Okay, that that's not a glowing um, statement, right there. I mean, it, it it's very hard. Fair enough. My issue that I have with this um, is not not with eating necessarily, but but with some of the fans, really, some of the media. The last impression kind of like stuck right and the last impression of him is lifting borussia dortmund um to a cup win over rb leipzig in emphatic fashion after also securing champions league in a frantic run um, of unbeaten games in a win 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 after win um what people do tend to forget though is that, that we had to put together this run because we lost a do or die game against frankfurt um, who are placed in front of us and then basically put us so far behind that we had to win every game out to make Champions League again. Um, and I think at that point, losing to Frankfurt, we were, what, seven points behind Frankfurt in third? So that was a huge, huge climb back, which he luckily did, you know, to his credit. But you would hope that in the future, games like that would be decided in favor of Borussia Dortmund. And he also had a very, very rocky start. I mean, again, same thing, right? Injuries... You know, COVID, lots of games in, in a short span without much time for him to do anything. But yeah, like in January, and I think you know, he came on in December. In January, people were still like, oh my God, how could they have given, you know, the keys to the castle to this novice, this, 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 this youth coach with no pedigree, doesn't know what he's doing, the club doesn't know what he's doing. Um, obviously that's you know, too big a shoes to fill for a guy like that. And, you know, there was really a lot of doubt surrounding Terzic. Then they stabilized a little bit. You know, results came kind of like coming. We got back into fighting distance into the Champions League spots, only again to drop out against Frankfurt, like really far back. And then he had that miraculous run. But whenever I hear or see conversations about Terzic at this point, it's like the not so good part is completely... Yeah, swept under the rug. Like, nobody talks about it, ever. And I don't understand why.
0: Right, right. And, I mean, we also have to take into account, granted, yes, Terzic did go on that run to bring us Champions League football. But you also had to have, like, it wasn't necessarily in Dortmund's hands, right? You had to rely on the teams uh, in front of them. Wolfsburg, um, Frankfurt, you mentioned, you know, basically messing up. You had to, to have them basically completely mess up for us to catch up because of that gap that you mentioned. Yep. So, I mean, th- there is that too. Granted, Yes. It was good that he was able to, you know, bring the team together and make them play in a way where they won all those games and went on that run and credit to him for that, but had the other teams in front of them also, you know, not messed up and not basically bottled it. And in their own right. Dortmund may not have even been playing champions league football this, this, uh, uh, this, this past season, you know, so there's that too, uh, you know, Um, to contend with as well. But on the, on the flip side of it, you know, you did mention that people were freaking out about how could Dortmund can, you know, this novice coach, you know, the keys to the kingdom or whatever. Um, I feel like they definitely saw something in him. I don't think they would have been haphazard enough to, you know, just be like, okay, here you go. Like, you know, just do what you can. Granted, I, I don't know if there were any other better options once again on the market. For them to to bring in anyway um, during that time period, and I think that's also the problem there, right? You had no idea that, or or not necessarily you, but no no one no one knew that Terzic would go on this run and you know bring this silverware to, to the club, right? So th- there's also that to contend with, and I feel like that's that's where the whole Rose conundrum comes in, right? You sign Rose because you feel like he's the best option on the market for next season. But then you have this not "quote-unquote" novice coach come in and and do a fanta- fantastic, job for that last uh, last period there. And granted, you know, like we've already mentioned, there were those factors that worked in his favor. Um, in addition to that, you you also have to you know take into account that you know Terzic had both Holland and Sancho on uh, immense form at that time as well pulling that team up uh, in, uh, offensively, at least, because, you know, the defensive problems that we've seen this season have been rampant. I uh, Granted, this season, it's been abysmal, but the, the problems have been there since, uh, as long as I can remember at this point, like three, four years,
1: so. Absolutely. And, I mean, let me be very clear. I would like nothing more than for Aiden to absolutely kill it, to have a club, a, a Zork-like right. run at the yeah. club, right? Stay here for 20 years, win titles, you know, build great teams, That's what foster we talent, you know, just get the best out of this club. I'd love nothing less. Like, and I don't mean to knock Eden at all. Um, I actually try to, you know, protect him a little bit because I want to level set because I just don't understand how the same people or maybe not the same people, but how public opinion shifts from... He's completely out of his depth. To he's the Messiah within only a year. Like we have to be fair there into what we can expect from Ian as well. And I think it's good that you know he has a lot of uh, he brings a lot of positive energy and 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 you know and, and brings hope uh, with the fans and with the club because we need positive emotions to be successful. And he can you know tap into it. But like I said, we have to be a little realistic here as well. I'm sure the board is. Um, at least I hope so. But yeah, to your point, even if he doesn't win any silverware next year, if I see a progression, I mean, if I see you know that we've did the best we could with the opportunities we had, then I'm I'm good with that. Um, that's that should be always good enough. My my problem, I think our problem in general is, for many fans, is that over the last couple of years, despite us uh, putting more money in the squad than ever before, additional six or the additional success has been marginal um and 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 too little in comparison into the added money and resources we put into the squad talking about the squad maybe we divvy into new players sure thing (laughs) because i know that's something that is very near and dear to you as well we love our transfers You've been doing us some write-ups, I, I think, um, on uh, the, the incoming players, right? Have you done one on uh, on Schlotterbeck and Adiemi and Uchan?
0: So, I, funny enough, I was actually working on a little piece uh, on uh, Ochan, uh right before we got on this. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Well, I, let's I've start covered... with him then.
1: Let's sure. start with him then. What do you think of Ötchan? And, like, let's do a rating here. 1 to 10 again. How do you rate this transfer and why?
0: Sure. So um, I want to preface this by saying that I hadn't really watched all that much of Oshan prior to. I mean, granted, I'd, I'd heard like, you know, um, rumblings about how he's been, you know, one of the best midfielders, one of the best defensive midfielders in the Bundesliga this season. But I hadn't really looked into him all that much because if 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 you look back in the last couple of months, we've been linked to to multiple players, Conrad Leimer uh, Xavier Schlager, you know, multiple players that would have fit that role, um, for Dortmund. Uh, but you know, from what I've been reading and what I've been studying up on, I mean, it seems like a really good transfer. So I definitely rate that based on how much we paid and, and, and the role that he's going to fill, which is a very important one for Dortmund. I feel like he's definitely the type of player that we haven't had, uh, I guess, since Delaney left. Um, I would definitely say it's 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 an eight or a nine, um, if not a ten, you know, because the, what we're doing here is it's it's an affordable transfer for a player who's, you know one of the top players in his position in the Bundesliga right now um, for for a very low price, a very low sum of money. So I think it was 5.5 million because of a release clause or something like that. So it's stellar business from Dortmund. I think him coming in is going to be very important. And granted, he's not one of those shining names, you know, like Adiemi or Sule or Schlatterbeck, but he's going to play an important role in, you know, making sure that Dortmund midfield is more stable. Um, I definitely feel like um, it's been ripped up a lot easier in the last couple of seasons. because of not having that added steel, um in there as, um, as frequently as we would like. But I do think that him coming in will be really good in terms of like stiffening that up and making sure we're a bit more defensively sound. So uh, I'm a big fan.
1: I couldn't agree more, which is why I'm going to repeat everything you just said. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but honestly, yeah, I was thinking the same eight and a half. Why not a nine or a 10? Well, just because it's not clear yet how much of an impact he can really have, right? Because um, we're obviously also buying potential here, which always means um, it's a future thing and not not necessarily a present thing. But the present is already pretty strong. You know, again, tapping my imaginary head to Cologne, to Baumgart and the team over there, they did a fantastic job, had a great season. Um, Also, I think uh, one of the uh, better clubs in the league um, in terms of just appeal and, and, and what's going on over there. And um, yeah, on a value base with the potential young national, just a fit, the need to you know if you look at our need, what we could spend, and 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 this like that that just converges beautifully. And um, I was very upset when Zakaria, you know, from from Gladbach went yeah. to Juventus for <laughs> that chunk change because again, Zakaria or Erchan, to your point right, might not be the most flashy players or whatever, but we definitely had a need there. We I don't want us to spend 20 30000000 uh, dollars again on transfer fees for for a player with maybe potential, but who hasn't maybe proven himself on the highest level. But five million, that's a complete different story, man. Like it's good business. Yeah. At, at at the very worst, he will be a squad player that we can use like Marius Wolf, you know, uh play when we need him and then and, and put on the bench when we don't. And obviously I hope he will break into the squad and freaking, you know soar to new heights that he hasn't achieved yet but even if he doesn't like we're not losing right like like he'll be okay we'll be okay or we'll be more than able to to sell him for you know similar amount of money if not more um if need be if if we find out and that's that's not because we need to make money just because we're like you know what um we need to readjust here or we need to add additional talent then that wouldn't be a problem and that makes all the difference in the world to some of the players that we have on the squad right now that we paid way too much money for, that they're not performing, that they're hardly a squad player. And um, and that just that that this negative spiral, you know, or, or like um, circle of, of, of negativity of, of not playing regularly, then people always bring it up. Oh, my God, he costs so much. Um, why isn't he playing? You know, adding extra pressure, making him play even worse making them play even less and so on and so forth. Like we're not going to have that with this guy. And I'm actually quite optimistic that to your point that at the very minimum, he will be a little laney. And if we get a little lucky, he might be even a little more for us, which would be already pretty good. So yes, I'm happy with it. And I'm happy with the value aspect of it and the fit. And honestly, um, talking about fit. Yes. You know, I would even consider coble still a new guy. Yes. We bought him last summer, but you know, since goalie was and defense in general was, was a position that we needed to make adjustments, I think Koble was a key piece. Um, and it sort of went a little, yeah, forgotten, you know, in in, in some of the other storylines of the season and also with the flood of goals that we received. But you know, he's still fairly new, and I think he might still become better, um, with a more stable and functioning backline that we now have and you know obviously a central defensive mid is also important in that field you know and somebody who's energetic and and and, and hungry and and, and kind of like is looking to win balls and being aggressive and, and pressing and all that stuff that's just um, yeah that's key and like in combination for example with, with jude you know i can see beautiful things happening there
0: it's a, it, it seems like it's going to be a very energetic, uh, very energetic midfield. And to your point with Cobol, I mean, I definitely agree. I feel like there's there's more to come from him with in, in terms of his performances. Granted, I feel like he, he's he's already been phenomenal. I've, without him in goal in some of the games Absolutely. that we played, we we would have been it would have been a wash completely, right? So with uh, a proper back line in front of him that he could you know help coordinate, I feel that the, the the sky's the limit for him too. So I agree with you on that
1: yeah i guess what i'm just saying is like i think you know we already started this change last year which means sure our board probably made that decision already like two years ago um you know starting to look at players and, and thinking like okay where are we what are we moving forward because you know that's how we do business it's not like well apart from apparently letting coaches go yeah but um <laughs> Other than that, you know, it's it's a little bit more stringent than planned. So, um, so I feel like that's really the the start um, to that new defense. And then, obviously, Zulian um, Schlotterbeck. And let's talk about Schlotterbeck just because he just played for Freiburg in the cup final, and I thought he played phenomenal.
0: Absolutely, that I mean, was, that was he insane. reminded
1: me of a of a young Hummels. You know, he had great timing, great awareness, fantastic skill on the ball. And, and that's why I say young Hummel's mentality. Like that guy was chasing after every ball, going into every duel, pushing forward, you know, killer um, sliding tackles and saves, what have you. I mean, it was, it was a fantastic showing. I'm it I'm, I'm that he didn't win the cup, but hey, you know what? Um, it's not the worst for Dortmund silver lining. You know, he might just be um, more hungry to win something next year with us, you know, and I mean, if I'm Schlotterbeck, I probably would deem my chances higher to win something with Dortmund and Freiburg. So I'm not, you know, this wouldn't turn fatalistic. Where are like, oh my God, it's my only chance to win something. Now you're like, I can more than compete on this level and I'm going to put my fingers on this very soon.
0: Right. Um, I mean, to your point, you know, with regards to his performance for Freiburg in the in, in the polka, I mean, he was he was phenomenal, like you said, and he definitely has that hunger that energy uh, about him that our defense has definitely been missing. I mean, you know, you know, you mentioned kanji uh, earlier as being, you know, one of our um, or if not the best defender that we've had in the last year or so, um, even him, honestly, I feel like there have been lapses and I feel like with Slaughterbeck coming in, I think he's sharp enough and, and, and hungry enough and has that drive to, to not let those lapses affect him as much. I feel like he's definitely going to come in and definitely help stabilize. Um, And that's why I feel like that that mix that we're getting with Schlatterbeck, that youthful energy and vibrance, uh, along with uh, Sule next to him, with that experience and mentality of like playing for Bayern and and, and winning trophies is going to be a really good combination. I feel like they're really going to complement each other. Well, and of course they're going to be playing together for the German national team. So it's kind of cool for Dortmund to have that starting back line as well. Uh, That, that partnership, I mean, that center back partnership uh, in Dortmund. So I feel like all of that's going to, you know, it's going to feed off each other and it's going to be, I think it's going to be something really nice.
1: And I would give him also an 8.5 and I rate him as a player higher than Otschan. I give it an 8.5 just because he costs more. So, you know, there's a higher risk, um, also uh-huh. in losing value. And because I, you know, I also remember some of the gaffes or, you know, the brain farts that he produced, um, in particular in the Germany game, I think against Israel, when he gave away that penalty in overtime that, um, I think trapped and eventually saved, but um, that was just such a Dortmund moment where I was like, oh my God, he's a perfect fit. He fits right in. Plays well 90 minutes, does all the fancy passing, whatnot, you know, is very on top of the game and then just, you know, decides, oh, I don't want to play anymore. It's almost over anyway. And then there's a guy that just basically presses him and he thinks he won't. And well, he misjudges the situation, loses the ball and, you know, commits a penalty. I was just like... Perfect. That could have been a <laughs> kanji, that could have been Hummelz, yeah. that could have been Daxo. Um, welcome to the club. But again, against Freiburg in, in that game, against Leipzig, you know, who put a lot of pressure on Freiburg. Um, and even with them with a the man down, and I could argue they were probably better a man down because they had more space to run into space with their with their quick players. He was still holding down the fort um, not missing a beat. It was interesting that he said he didn't have the balls, and I quote him here to Take a penalty, unlike his brother. Um, I don't know if I want to come you know, commend him for it for being so honest or condemn him for it for not taking one. Um, I don't know how do you feel about that? I think
0: it's better for a player to be honest. I, I mean, yes, we we obviously expect players to be bold and to have that mentality to to you know step up when the club needs them, but I think it's also very mature for a player to be like, okay. I'm not in the headspace to to take this penalty. I, I don't think I can contribute in this moment. I think that also takes uh, a level of self-awareness and and also bravery, because you know, this is all there's so many eyes watching, you know, and then he comes out and just very honest about it. You know, he's like, I just didn't feel like I could do it. So I, I definitely wouldn't condemn it per se
1: I've, I've just found it interesting because, yeah, it's not something that players usually would say, I think. Or admit so openly, but at the very least, it shows that he's you know he's already quite a character for his young age. And um, I think we need more characters. We need more friction. Um, we need more players that challenge each other, um, challenge themselves, and hold themselves and others accountable. And um, for that, you need to be honest. So yeah, um, I think you know we're moving in the right direction there. And let's talk about his um, counterpart, which was probably a much bigger shocker um, than the Schlotterbeck signing, um, Niklas Sühle. What do you make of that?
0: So Sula is definitely a, a player that I've wanted at Dortmund since his time at Hoffenheim. I, I was actually really hoping Dortmund would sign him from Hoffenheim uh, at the time. Um, so I'm really happy to see him uh, come to Dortmund. I think he he's definitely a very solid player. I think he, he was one of Bayern's better defenders, uh, if not one of the best in his position. Um, so for for that, you know, for, for a player to come from Bayern Munich, a club that dominates Germany, that you're almost guaranteed trophies, right, to come to Dortmund and, you know, come and say, you know, I'm not coming here for the money. I'm not coming here for, you know, um, I guess the glamour of it per se i'm coming here to you know prove a point i'm coming here to be part, an integral part of a project i think that's 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 very interesting to see particularly in this day and age where everything is is so money driven i mean you just you don't have to look far i mean not not to bring you know mbappe up uh because i think he's 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 been brought up for 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 months now you know in every conversation but i mean just like, like what you see what happened with him in psg right now right you have a player oh,
1: but- Mm -hmm. yeah but but Mbappé it's not about money he explained that you know it's not about money okay he just changed his mind Uh uh-huh sure what what, sure we 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 can go with that story too
0: but um (laughs) but yeah I mean like just using that as an example right you have a player that could have gone to a a club that obviously has history and prestige or whatever and he would have been an integral part of project there, but he decided to stay for the cash in Sule you don't see that you have a player who a lot of people quote unquote say is downgrading, right? They're they're gonna come to the team that's forever chasing Bayern, but he wants to come to Dortmund and put a stop to that. He's like, no, I I want to compete. We want to we want to stop them from winning this this title for an 11th time in a row, and I I really commend that. And I think just from that perspective, um, it's a really impressive signing. It, it, it's a really exciting signing. And um, yeah, I would definitely, I mean, I didn't rate Schlotterbeck, So I guess I'll rate him real quick. I give him a nine, but I also give um, Sula a nine as well because I would have never expected him to choose Dortmund. I, when, when he was said to be leaving Bayern, I was like, okay, I mean, it'd be great, but that's far fetched. I would never have expected that. And yet here he is. And it's something really to look forward to. And I think the reasoning for why he's coming to the club is exactly what we want in the players coming to the club, coming to play for the club, not for the cash, not for uh, some semblance of monetary glory or anything like that. He's coming for an honest reason. And I think that's really important.
1: Well, I mean, according to Bayern, we are actually paying him on par even more than Bayern. But honestly, that's neither here nor there. And I'm not like, you know, I don't, I'm not privy to that information. But even if that's so, to your point, right, he's coming to Dortmund because, well, he's not downgrading, at least not hidden in his mind, because he wants to be the man. And at Bayern, you can't be the man as long as there's Lewandowski, as long as there's Neuer, as long as there's Müller, as long as there's Kimmich. He's probably even behind Goretzka. Like, he's not even top five in that own, in his own squad, and he was arguably the best center back there, um, despite some of his issues. So he wants to be the guy because he wants to also be the guy in the German national team. So he needs to be, you know, like, basically a captain, maybe even somewhere, you know, and really, like, holding his own and then... And, and, sometimes when you're playing a good team like Bayern, some some inter- individual contributions are overvalued and some are undervalued because it's like oh well you know it's Bayern, you always automatically win but what, what, what did he do you know i was very surprised too i think you know it's uh it's definitely one of the biggest rabbits that Zusi has pulled out of his head in his last 40 years and um yeah i'm not so sure where to rank this, um, but I would probably shoot. I'm just giving him an eight point five two. I'm just gonna be trying to be fair, even across the board. Um, on the pro side, right, he definitely has the, the biggest pedigree of autumn all. Right, the biggest experience. He's an absolute beast in the air. I think he's the the most uh, successful. Uh, center-back and defender in the Bundesliga when it comes to aerial challenges, which is great because I think Schlotterbeck is also obviously strong in the air, but you need to be strong in the air as a center-back anyway. But he's like maybe even a little better on the ground. So a pairing that kind of like, you know, complements each other there is great. And my God, with our set-piece uh, defense struggles, like, That's I, you know, I love to have a guy like that. And the dude is built like a fridge. This a bitch is huge. It's not just like he's like tall and gets the ball like like college at Stuttgart. no he's a he's a machine. That's kind of like segueing into the con area. Um, you know, you've heard the rumors and not just the rumors, the complaints from the Bayern camp pretty regularly about him not being in shape, him not being, you know,, um, yeah, in the physical state that he needs to be in to to be at his best. Um, but I think, this change and and wanting to prove Bayern wrong and wanting to show how good he is by himself and what they're kind of like losing, I think will motivate him at least for a couple of seasons, you know, to be his best self and really kick some butt. And um, that's why, yeah, that's why I'm also very, very hopeful um, that, A, he will be in form and B, hopefully also less injured because he also has have an injury history that's a little worrisome in my opinion. It's not like all the alarm bells are ringing, but, um, you know, a guy that already had a couple of major injuries. Coming to Dortmund is,
0: uh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Is is, um, tricky. But at the same time, I mean, he had these injuries and he was still playing at Bayern. He was still getting into... um, Yeah, they're starting 11. You know, he's still playing in Champions League final. So, yeah, we're buying a dude that, you know, already won a Champions League. He knows what it takes. Like, I think that makes a difference. I think it makes a difference in the locker room um, when somebody tells you, like, hey, this is how it gets done. Get your stuff together, you know? Absolutely. Or just be like, hey, Niklas, man, you know, like, we're playing a semifinal. I'm so nervous. How was it for you, you know, playing against? Whoever they played against, I don't know, Chelsea, Barcelona, you know, this dead. Um, I think that's also very, very valuable. So, um, yeah, it's definitely exciting. I mean, it's great to see, you know, how long have we talked about this? Um, uh, the defensive woes that that now we are having basically still a new keeper, two new center backs, uh, you know, a central midfielder, um defensive, and um well fullbacks okay that's a different story but you know that's just a rare breed in soccer in general so um (laughs) let's leave it at that for a moment and um segue maybe into our last marquee signing so far and i mean (laughs) transfer window season hasn't even been completely over yet um transfer window is still very young and we already have like four signings adiemi um what do you make of him what excites you about his game
0: so just
1: like Sule,
0: I mean, granted, S- Sule was kind of you know a player that I've watched for some time, and Adiemi is definitely you know a player that's that's kind of newer to the scenes, a player that you know we, we've or, or the, the the footballing world has has kind of come to know in the last two years per se, more so for for his exploits with uh, with Salzburg, but uh, he's definitely a player that um, that I've kept my eyes on. I was very excited to hear that we were linked, and uh, when the the signing, you know. Kept, you know, getting um, closer and closer. And all the news was coming out with um with uh with all those like links with with his agent. I was definitely excited and and I am still excited about him joining Dortmund. I think uh he's definitely um a player that will add um a lot of pace, a lot of trickery, and uh and and just a lot of offensive threat to um you know uh Dortmund's front line. Granted, we are losing Erling Holland. He isn't a Holland replacement. But he can definitely help offset that loss of um, that, that loss of goals that we will obviously experience with with losing like a player like Holland, but with regards to, to him joining, I also feel like it's also good to have a variety of players up top that can score goals, I feel like definitely this team became very Holland centric and uh, very reliant on one type of player to put the ball in the back of the night. Granted, I know he's a striker and that's his job, but I feel like you need to have other players in the team playing, s- maybe like, uh, granted that he can play a striker or whatever, uh, but you need other players up top that can also chip in uh, when, when that player's missing or is having an off day. And I think Adeyemi will definitely come in and, and play a big role in terms of, you know, making sure that Dortmund's attack is is well oiled going into the next season
1: it's a problem when we become too predictable absolutely and I think that that's kind of what happened plus then Haaland also being a little bit in his head you know with the whole transfer situation and I guess with Raiola's health and and whatnot I'm sure there were things you know that were on his mind and um you know he's contrary to popular belief he's not a robot so um he's very human it, it didn't you know I think that didn't help and um so but but you know, I don't want to talk about necessarily about Hala, but more about Adiemi. What do you think is like, um, I mean, he's obviously very different players. Um, what is his biggest strength that he's bringing to the club that we, that we don't have right now? I think because people... Is it speed one-on-one? I don't know. You, do you think shot is better than, say, I don't know, Marlin, who also has a decent shot, for example? Right. And I... By the way, he's also pretty much still a new player.
0: Right, right. um I think he he is a step above Malin in terms of his finishing, at least in my opinion. um I think uh he definitely has uh, a little bit more pace, which I feel like Dortmund has been lacking um, you know, it, it, over the, the course of this past season. Um, and I definitely feel he has a solid finish as well. Um, but it, the ability that he has to also play out wide comfortably, I think will be definitely something that that helps out Dortmund because I feel like that do you see him wide? I'd, it depends, you know, it really depends what, what, what it just planning, right? Like maybe he'll be playing uh, a strike partnership up front, which obviously as a second striker. I could definitely feel, I could definitely see him playing well as well, but I think but probably
1: not as a lone striker, right? Well, that's what I'm
0: saying, right. He would definitely not be playing alone up front. Um, But I definitely could see him playing wide as well. I think that he can definitely add a bit of width into the game, which is something, like I said, that Dortmund have been missing. So if, if, Terzic ends up getting a, a target man or, or pushing for a target man up front with having Adeyemi on one side and then Hazard or Bino Gittens or, or Malin or whoever on the other side. I think that could that could work pretty well. But I also feel he could definitely play at a certain partnership because I, be, I believe that's how he's been playing at Salzburg right now with either uh, Sesko or uh, Okafor.
1: Yeah, I feel like he's sort of like, you know, the, the, the quirky creative flash that's sort of like, you know, Flies around, sort of like a more st- static center. Um, but we don't have that player right now. Um, you, are you think we're going to get another number nine? I mean, people, Halar has been brought up a bunch of times. Um, the kid from uh, uh Spot up Prague. Um, what's his name again? Adam yeah, exactly. So, I mean. For some, I mean, so far, most of the names that have been rumored, and then some that haven't been like like Zula <laughs> um have ended up, you know, at Dortmund, are we getting another number nine or are we about done? I
0: definitely think that Dortmund need um another striker, and I definitely feel like with with everything that's that's going around in terms of uh, rumors, um that it's definitely something that the club are looking into. Um who's most likely is up for debate. I mean, there's been a lot of links to Sebastian Haller. I think he's a pretty controversial choice uh, for a lot of a lot of people. Um, granted, he does have a lot of the qualities of, of the type of player that really Dortmund wouldn't go for necessarily because, you know, we're used to going for the youthful um, potential type player. I mean, granted, e- even when we went for Holland, right? I mean, he he was a proven quality in the Champions League, but he, like Adeyemi, he was coming from uh, the Austrian League, which is a step below the Bundesliga, so we didn't know how he would perform here. Um, and, and, uh, Haller himself has had trouble granted, you know, when he moved to, to West Ham and in, in the premier league, he didn't do all that great. And now he's killing it with Ajax. Um, so, and, and the other part of that is, you know, he's also a player in his prime, right? I think he's 27 at this point. So he's not the typical type of player that Dortmund would go for. Um, you know, I, I did do a bit of writing in terms of the, the options that, that Dortmund were looking into, and that was Sesko, Klojek, uh, Haller, and Ekitike, um out of all of those i was leaning a bit more towards flojek despite his young age he does have a lot of experience playing for the first team in the czech league and granted once again you know this is a league that is a step below in terms of quality in terms of the bundesliga so you know you really don't know how he's going to perform but then again with holler i mean you you don't know whether he'll fit with the team i mean Holler
1: played sorry but Halle played frankfurt and you know didn't look at all like that killer that he was looking to see in the Champions League so you don't know really if it was just you know one great run of form or you know sort that's of like exactly the, what I'm
0: saying yeah so the
1: exception to the rule right now or if that's really like his his new level so and you know I mean Ten years ago, we we bought this uh, this kid from the Polish league from Legia Warsaw for four point five million dollars. What was, was his name was, again? Uh, I can't remember. Um, uh, something like uh, uh, Robbie Robbie Lewandowski. Uh. Um. um <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Dick. I vaguely
0: remember
1: him. <laughs> vaguely remember him. Um, Is isn't, isn't Robert uh, the the nickname Dick Dick Lewandowski? That doesn't that doesn't really roll off the tongue. I mean. The dick man. anyway. My Polish um, heritage
0: uh, refuses uh, to uh, to comply with that statement, but um, but yeah. <laughs> oh, well, what well, I was gonna say is, all I was gonna say is that Dortmund is really good at finding that talent. Granted, you know, diamond in the rough. You know, you were talking about Lewandowski here. When he came to Dortmund, you know, he didn't have like an ideal first season or whatever. He had to like grow into the team and become the striker that he became, right?
1: So. Yeah, but we already had a number nine up front that was, like, scoring goals a mess. Like, basically, um, we went from Barrios, who people already pretty much have forgotten unless they were around for that right, time, right. you know, who scored all to, like, 18 goals or 20 goals, I think, a year, um, to Lewandowski, who obviously yeah. then, you know, took it up way a notch, then a certain Aubameyang. Um, then even the ones that we just rotated in for, like, half a year and you know, they're like Bachwai or or Paco, you know, had some tremendous success and then obviously um a certain erling Haaland came so we've not really had issues putting a ball into the net a problem was that we used to just have like one striker and when that guy was out there was a black hole up in the box um mm-hmm. but in general overall we always find somebody put the ball in that.
0: sure and i feel like granted you know, we're talking about here whether or not Dortmund are actually going to go into the market and 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 find someone to do that. I feel like definitely we need to do that. I definitely feel like Dortmund as a club need to find that 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 central striker that, that can lead the line. I feel that's a very important part of Dort- Dortmund being successful. I mean, like you've, like you mentioned previously with all the different names, Lewandowski, Aubameyang, uh, Alcacer, all, all these players that, that were able to do that for Dortmund, that's when we were most successful. So I feel like going into that, I mean, Dortmund will, will end up purchasing another striker before this, this window, this window closes. Uh, but I, the unique, uh the uniqueness of this situation is I don't feel Dortmund will be going into this season with just that one striker, particularly because one would hope that the likes of Yusufa mokoko or potentially even a Bradley Fink from from the youth setup would come up and play that you know backup role and be a solid backup at that. You know both players have definitely shown uh, prowess in front of goal, and I mean even just with Mukoko's performance in that last game against. Uh, against Hertha, you know coming on and having that impact that's what you want from a player like him, particularly because you know he might not necessarily be ready to either lead the line or play in that too with someone like Adayemi just yet, but for him to come in and actually have that impact because we haven't seen that from him and, and you know we mentioned that previously with regards to him having been injured or not played as much by uh, the likes of uh, Marco Rosa uh, during his uh, his time in charge um but what you would hope now going forward is that you have that player behind either a haler or um or klozejek or a kitike or or whoever that they're going to bring in you know in the event that either there's an injury or they need to take them off to give them a rest you have that player in the back to come in and have that impact and i think at least in this coming season Dorman will actually have that
1: and you are thinking that rushek is the most uh, viable candidate
0: He's definitely the candidate that I was looking most intensely at. And I, and I mean that just in the sense that he fits that Dortmund profile, right? Um,
1: also on young. the economic end.
0: Economic end, I think he would be affordable. I mean, you're, you're likely going to be paying something like 20, 25 to 30 million for a holiday anyway, right? Um, you'd be paying 20 Probably to 25 more. for, yeah or you'll be paying like 20, 25 for Projek as well. Granted, Projek isn't exactly the same type of player as like an Erling Holland. He would definitely be a player that would have to play in that too with an Adiemi or something like that, right? But the thing that I found most, uh, we're not most interesting about him. Granted, he's a talented player and has has a lot of facets to to his game that can be developed and are very interesting. But from a very young age, he was trusted at Sparta Praha to, you know, go forward and play that very, important role for them he, he's at he, since he was 16 years old he's playing he's been playing for the first team so that shows a level of both mentality and maturity that i think uh puts him above for example the likes of uh, hugo Equitique, which for example played one good season for for, for his team in france you know for Reims. and uh and he, he's kind of still an unknown quant- uh, quantity there like we don't know whether or not that was just one good season and the, the amount of money that they want for him, the whatever 30, 35 million that, that uh, Rams is asking for is insane for a player who, granted, maybe, you know, showed sparks of brilliance, but has had just one season, like, at the at top flight there. Same thing with uh, Benjamin Sesko for for Salzburg. Granted, he would have that sort of chemistry with Adeyemi, you know, they played together. But he, I, I don't know how many seasons he's necessarily had in the top flight and to make that impact for the first team, Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, if, if Dortmund go for a player like Haller, I mean, he is experienced to the degree that he has that experience in the Bundesliga, he is proving with Ajax that he can be a, a good goal scorer, we don't know for a fact if, if he would come to Dortmund if he would perform the same way, but it, it, in, this, in one sense it would be a nice signing in the sense that, you know, Dortmund would be going for a player in their prime, which is very atypical for them.
1: I mean, to be fair, we tried that a bunch of times over the last couple of years with Sean, uh, with Witzel, who was maybe, who was a little older, but considering, you know, where he had played, he had actually not that many miles on his tires. So um, we tried a lot of these things. Um, I guess I agree with you in the sense that with Hilaire being in this prime, it makes him actually a little less um, likely just because unless we are 100% convinced he's the right and best fit, it's like, why pick a player who basically will take his last contract at us. And it's not because we do always want to sell players on, but it's basically like a uh, a risk insurance, right? You're hedging a transfer. Like mm-hmm. you get somebody that's like 20 and doesn't work well, well, you're still going to be able to, you know, offset them with 24 and make a change. And it's not, you know, again, like people always act like this is the business strategy because, you know, to make profits. And yes, in parts it is, but that's more like, the one-off wonder player right that you get for a handful of dollars and then sell on for a hundred million but in general it's just smart business to sort of like if you can choose between somebody you know um who is 28 or somebody who's 21 and they're basically giving you the same thing you go with the younger player because again if he's great well then fantastic you have even more time for him or with him right um to fill a need um if that player wants to stay, of course, there's two parties involved. But if not, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out um, from the club side or from the player side. You still can sell them um, and don't don't lose money, which means you can be active again on the transfer market uh, with a player that's basically past his prime. You're not able to do that. I mean, Bayern is in that situation right now with Lewandowski, you know. Um, what they could get for him on a transfer market is just a representative of the value anymore that he still brings to them to this day. But because he's so far along his career, um, you know, being closer to his end than to his beginning, um, nobody's willing to invest that kind of money anymore that would allow Bayern to go back in the transfer market and get somebody of that quality. Um, Not that there really is anyone with that quality out there, but that's also younger than him. And, you know, and allows them to again, start a new cycle and build around that player. And that's a problem. I mean, that's even a problem for Bayern because you're basically burning, you know, $100 million or something like that in value. And again, if we're not 100% convinced of Halaire, then um, why would we do that? It's just an unnecessary risk.
0: Right. And I feel like when you're looking at all these options as well, you have to look at the profile of the player because even though they're being billed as strikers, I mean, a lot of them don't really have the same function or play the same, exact same position on the field. Like I said, you know, if you're yeah. looking at Aflalczak, he's not your typical number nine where it was going to, you know, play uh, up front by himself, you know, and, and be that target man, you know, Haler on the other end is. So it really depends on what to- type of um, player Terzic and co will be looking at to bring in and what sort of system he'll be looking to play, right? So that's going to also factor in. So even if, you know, we're not 100% convinced of Haler. Or someone, uh, uh, or, or or another name that that we're thinking of. What they're going to be looking at is also what sort of uh, profile that player brings in, and I think that's definitely going to be something that's going to be considered as well. Yeah. Um. There was also another name that was linked. Obviously, uh, Sasha Kalajic from uh, Stuttgart. from from Stuttgart. Yes, I wanted to get your opinion on him as well. What do you think of him, side
1: Um. He is. An interesting player um because he's a little bit like a young young caller right because he's so tall but he's better right, with the right. ball than you would think for a player of his size um obviously he's a threat in the air i'm not so sure that he has as high of a ceiling as for example a hojek right um i think kind of like what he will bring to the game yeah will will level out pretty soon i mean he has i think he has the potential to be a solid bundesliga striker About Weghorst or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, But is that the player that really would make move the needle at Borussia Dortmund? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, um, I'm curious why Bayern really are so interested in him. And it's just because, you know, if you look around domestically, that's probably the cheapest option that is kind of like, if Lewandowski stays, he'll be, you know, okay as a backup. I think, from a player's perspective, right, without making too much fuss. But if you need to play him, he's still like an upgrade over like, you know, Eric choupo or whatever. Um, But, I mean, we're obviously not planning sort of like with A and B, which is like, oh, maybe we lose Lewandowski when we don't. Or, you know, maybe we lose Haaland, maybe we don't. We know we don't have a number nine in there. And I don't think hes he's not physical enough to be that sort of like anchor nine at this point, in my opinion and i think that would fit better um with with sort of like a marlin and, and adi amy so yeah and then also like honestly if, if those rumors are true like we're not gonna like start bidding with bayern over a player like that that's just not worth it i'm i'm surprised that at the you know the amounts that you were talking about like 25 30 million dollars even we are not looking a little bit more domestically at a guy like you know chic or maybe even Boré, <laughs> um who um you know, has shown something with Frankfurt, even though I'm a little skeptical because he also has shown not nothing, but, you know, uh, also had some super performances for them. Yeah, Paciencia, for example, and RB, I don't know. I mean, I feel like those are all players that are sort of like on the similar level. Um, in college, it's still um, obviously younger and, and a little less experienced and a little less proven. But I think that's sort of like what we're looking at. And um, yeah, again, curious why... This is not, you know, part of the rumor mill. Um, but we'll see, I guess.
0: No, for sure. And and you know, uh, I feel especially with Kale, um, you know, what he's shown so far. Granted, I mean, there's probably a little bit of uh hand holding with uh Zork in the background as well. What he's shown right now is he's been definitely able to find the right player to uh both excite the fans and really show that he's he's trying to build a squad. So I want to trust him and 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 the people in charge right now to find the right option, whoever it might be. You know, I don't think this is the time to, to be hypercritical of of you know of, of the choices that they're making. So far, they're making the right choice in terms of the personnel that they're bringing in. So if they deem it, it you know necessary to bring in someone like of the profile of you know Sebastian Haller, I'll look at it. Granted, you know, I have my reservations, but I will also be like, you know what, I'm open to it. Let's see. Let's not let's not automatically be like, oh my God, this is the worst signing in the world. You know? Yeah. Let's see what happens with it. Let's let's be optimistic.
1: Honestly, if, if we're not finding the right number nine at the right price right now, I'm okay with also waiting another transfer window. Like Rome wasn't built in a day. We have to be realistic. This isn't, you know, football manager. We don't have like endless resources. I think they already had have done some stellar business, at least on paper. And you know, the rest is a little bit up to the players and, and, and luck and stuff like that. So we have to be um reasonable and like kalachic might have made sense you know if he would have flown a little bit more under the radar and you can make a move like like we did with urchan um for like you know and get him for like 5 million but with him being like relatively high profile right now and and whether it's true or not like Bayern allegedly being interested there's no chance that we're gonna like you know pull a fast one on stuttgart and, and then like get him out of there for for cheap and then I don't know. Before I'd pay fifty million for him, I'd rather pay $20, 25 million for yeah, Olomchek or or even a Lear, to be honest.
0: No, hundred percent agreed. And I mean,
1: you know, or nothing and wait again.
0: I feel that's a little risky going into <laughs> the season with without a striker. I don't know that 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 makes me a little uneasy. But yeah, I mean, the market is thin right now. I, I don't think there there are many affordable options. I mean,
1: trust in Mookie. Um, trust in Mookie.
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean I'd love to see him more on more on the pitch that's for sure I feel like uh you know under Terzic uh, he he might flourish so that's one thing to look forward to
1: but it might it might be also the Malen ADY combo up front and that might not work at all or it might work okay I mean uh, yeah. we'll see
0: I mean we'll definitely I'll definitely be rooting for from next season you know to to actually show uh, a little bit more of, you know, why we brought him in, right? We brought him in as a, as a high-profile signing. He came in for around that uh, 35, 40 million euro mark as, as well, right? So he came in with, with big expectations. And uh, granted, he hasn't really lived up to the expectations for one reason or another. Um, he's had good runs of form, per se. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll really see. Um, but I definitely feel it, it might be a little uh, risky to go in without bringing anyone in.
1: Yeah, so. me too. But I just don't. I I just don't want us to, you know, tie up a lot of money and and, and transfer fees, and then also in wages, and then like conquer us down with a uh, with an option that's not really a fit, you know, because that's, sure. that's going to hurt us more in the long run than you know mm-hmm. having another season. That's that's where we sort of like have to bridge the gap. As long as they're like seeing the issues and they're trying to address them, which apparently they have. If you look at the backline and the defense and the changes that we made there. You know i'm 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 willing to cut the team a little bit of slack um and also show a little patience and then yeah just hope that you know the coaching staff around turzic and the new players coming in will do their utmost best to to pick up the slack
0: right i mean from the options that you know are available right now at least in my opinion the most entertaining and and, and the most feasible would have been having that areyemi up top you know that, that that duo playing in it too you know I think that would have been both the most interesting um, and one of the more affordable options for Gorman because you're getting a talented player. I mean, he, he's, he's a player that's proven, maybe not in a league, the, the, the likes of the Bundesliga, but he's proven that he has the talent to, to be exciting and to be impactful from a young age. So I think he fits that profile the most. Like I said, he's not exactly, you know, the typical uh, replacement for an Erling Holland. I just feel like it'd be the most entertaining, you know, entertaining watch and the and the most reasonable choice at this time, considering the options.
1: Yeah. Well, 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 um, a lot of movement, um, and in a weird way, even though the season just ended for us and not necessarily on the highest of notes, um, all this activity has made me, yeah, quite. I don't wanna say optimistic, but it has me made me a little bit giddy again, you know, that early in the season. so um, but I guess that's always the case during the summer break. Everything is back to zero. Uh, we start anew and we hope for the best. and um I guess we would leave it at that. Brian, it was a pleasure having you on um for uh, yeah this podcast and um you know, sharing your insights with us and um, yeah, maybe you can um, also let our listeners know um, where to catch you and how to follow your insights, uh, where you usually write and all that good stuff, your Twitter handle.
0: Sure. Uh, so first off, thanks for having me, Tilo. Hopefully we can do this more often. It was really fun. We should. Um, <laughs> uh, So you can definitely find me at my uh, Twitter, which is Brian underscore Straub 94. Um, in addition to that, you can catch me posting on VVD Buzz as well as uh, Get German Football News. So, GGFN as well. I post for them every now and then. So, um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you for tuning in again. This was great. Um, I hope you had as much fun listening to it as we did recording. We will follow up with the next episode very soon. Hopefully, you have Brian on again. And until the next time. A black and yellow shout-out across America.
0: It! Incredible! Unbelievable! Astonishing! Dortmund dancers! Thank you for listening to Believe.